It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Locked On Eagles podcast. How's it going? It's a Wednesday edition of the show. Louis DiBiase in studio, as always. But guess what, guys? You're not going to hear much from me today. I know heartbreaking, most likely. I don't know. I feel like you might get some. I mean, you're probably not sick of me if you subscribe to the show, at least, because we're doing this four to five days a week right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. But you're not going to hear from me outside of this quick tease because our co-host Gino Camilleri had the honors of talking with Patricia Trena of Locked on Giants today and kind of getting into a crossover Wednesday, which we haven't done in quite some time since the regular season and the playoffs. We're getting back into that now as the season's coming up very soon, training camp in late July, about a month away. And then before, I mean, that's going to go by really quick. And that's why I kind of like that the dead period is in the summer because we're all enjoying our summers anyway. Got fantasy football preparations to get into. I know I'm really crunching for my draft, even though it's in August. I take it pretty hard. So I'm already starting my prep. I got my magazines, the podcast going. And um, that's the thing. There's a lot of other fantasy podcasts out there, other podcasts. So we appreciate that you're listening to this one. Um, if you are listening, make sure you subscribe because once again, you'll get these downloaded into your phone on your way to work, on your way home, or if you are at your desktop, you can listen to them on LockdownEagles.com. But even, we look, we know there's other podcasts out there. We do recommend, if you're going to choose a podcast app, I would go with the Himalaya podcast app. They got shareable playlists, so if you like the show that your friend was playing, you can add their playlist to be your own you can kind of categorize them so say all right I got my Eagles fix right here with Locked On Eagles but I want to go with Locked On Fantasy then you can have a fantasy football category so break it up here or maybe you just have like a Locked On folder and you can get your Eagles fix your fantasy football fix we got Locked On NFL Draft that show goes year-round too and You guys know we love the NFL Draft here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast, and although once the regular season kind of gets going, we're all in on that. We've got guys here in the Lockdown Podcast Network with the Draft Network as well that keep their eyes on college ball 24-7, looking deep into the prospects for the next draft class. So at the Lockdown Podcast Network, we got a lot of great stuff, so make sure you check them out on the Himalayan Podcast app. We're also available on any other platform. Just tell Siri, just tell Alexa to play the Locked On Eagles podcast or whatever Locked On podcast you're listening to. All right, that's enough of my shameless plugs for the day. Let's get into some Eagles-Giants talk now with Gino Camilleri and Patricia Chena on Crossover Wednesday. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
This week, we are continuing our look at the Giants 2019 opponents. And this week in particular, we are devoting it to the NFC East. So it's NFC East week. And on today's show, who better to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles than Locked On Eagles co-host Gino Camarelli. Gino, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely, Patricia. It's good to be back on with you. It's been quite some time since we've spoken, but that's how it is when it's this period of football, the dead period as which we call it. But we're very, very close. We're we're starting to get some sniffs of it and it's it's gonna be right around the corner and we're gonna we're gonna be here for kickoff sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And I know I don't know about you, but I'm I'm excited, man. I mean that the NFC East is there there's is there a better division in football? No, I, I absolutely can second, third, fourth, fifth, how many times you want me to speak to that? Because I live in Buffalo, so I'm not actually in Philadelphia. I, I wish I lived there, but I live in Buffalo, and this division, it's been dominated by the Patriots for the past X amount of years. The NFC East is the definition of parity, not one repeat champ since the Eagles did it way back in the early 2000s, and that just speaks to how competitive this division is and how those games, you can never count one as a win because it could be a meaningless Thursday night, and if it's against an NFC East opponent, it means everything, and that's what's great about this division, and it always keeps you on your toes. Absolutely, and Gino, let's jump right in. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to have you as the expert preview the Eagles, kind of give the Giant fans a little update on what's new, what's changed, what we should be looking out for. And let's start with the offensive side of the ball. Now, the Eagles, of course, made the decision to let Nick Foles walk. They're going to stick with Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson has had some injury issues the last couple of years. Where is he right now in his recovery? And you know, how are you feeling about him getting through the year without having that safety net that is known as Nick Foles? Yeah, it's definitely a different dynamic. And before that 2017 season, it was the Carson Wentz show, and I fully expect it to be like that coming into this 2019 season. With Nick Foles, he did his service. I mean, I will be eternally grateful as much as every other Eagles fan will be for hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. But this is Carson's team, and that's what Howie Roseman intended to do when he traded all those draft picks just a couple years back. They wanted to have the guy, I call it. Uh, I, I bring this up time to time on my show. The Eagles were in in a turmoil at the quarterback position after Donovan McNabb left. They had a turnstile there. They had they thought Kevin Cobb might have been the future. That Mike Vick had a little running there. Nick Foles, part one. Sam Bradford even had a go. Now you finally have that continuity, and I know especially Zach Ertz, he spoke highly to the fact that he loves the continuity at the quarterback position because his first couple years he had a different quarterback every every year, and for once the Eagles now have that continuity into the offseason. Carson Wentz has been looking absolutely fantastic in OTAs. He was a full go. There were no limitations. He was not wearing a brace, which is an excellent sign. He looked very mobile, not too many hiccups in his knee. So I think this year his his back is healthy, fully healed. His knee is healthy and fully healed. I, I can't strap the injury-prone label on him yet because he, he doesn't have many of those soft tissue injuries. These are big injuries. That hit he took against the Rams a couple years ago, it was a freak accident. And if you ask any doctor the reason why his back injury occurred, and we had a very good doctor, uh, Dr. Rennan Hall, on the show a few months back to talk about it. 
the stress fracture came from the knee. And the fact that now his knee is fully healthy, it, it should circulate through the body and just continue to stay healthy until he takes a, a knock. But he's a big boy. He's six foot six. He, he's got the size on him. And I fully expect him to adapt his pr- play style now to fit that better and to be more concerned about his his body because he should be because you've seen quarterbacks like Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick be a flash in the pan after they have those injury concerns much like RG3 did as well but I fully expect Carson to get back and get right back to where he was in that 2017 pace where he almost won the MVP you know, a lot of people uh, believe that a quarterback starts to, um, you know, come into his own around the third, fourth year of his career, the fifth year, somewhere in that, that neighborhood. Carson Wentz, uh, what is he now, entering his third year, 16, 17, 18, 19, his fourth year. Fourth so year. Yep. despite despite the fact that he lost some playing time because of the injuries, do you see, you know, based on what you know um, with his, his progress, do, do you think he's now settling into that that comfort zone that, that a lot of these young quarterbacks kind of hit in that third, fourth, fifth year? And, and, and you know, do you just see the leadership and, and just a, a totally different guy who's more at ease now with the offense? Oh, I totally think so, Patricia. I, I think on paper this is one of the best Eagles offenses that this team has ever seen. And – just the fact alone of the players he has around him should put his mind at ease. But another big factor is that big old check he got in the mail just a couple weeks back and solidifying that he is the guy. He he signed that six, that four-year extension, which now adds two years onto his, or four years onto his, the remaining two years of his deal. So he will be in Philadelphia Eagles Midnight Green through 2024. So that should definitely put it at ease if there was any questions of if he is, quote, the guy. And you see it all the time if you follow any of the Eagles on social media. They're out to dinner, Deshaun Jackson, Elshon Jeffrey, Carson Wentz. I'm pretty sure they're getting together in North Dakota again this summer. They're going to do a little uh, QB wide receiver, seven-on-seven type um, touch drills and stuff just to get some more um, rapport with the receivers, which he, he needs to build because he's got some new faces in there. And I, I think Carson wants to demand the respect of that offense. I don't think he wants to be given anything. I, I think he wants to earn it. And in my opinion – he has earned that right right out the gate in 2016. They start the season 3-0, and and he had receivers like Dorio Green Beckham catching the ball. And now all these years later, he has the greats of Deshaun Jackson and Elshon Jeffrey and plenty of other names that I'll continue to speak on as we continue through this segment. But if there's any question of if he's the guy, I don't know who is asking that question because just on paper, what they did the pieces they brought in to put around him to solidify that they want this offense to be explosive. The check they handed him in the mail when they signed him to the extension just proves that he's the guy. And Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson, Jeffrey Lurie, all of them have said that Carson is the guy for this franchise. And I trust everything Howie Roseman has to say until he proves me otherwise. So this team is in Howie's hands. He put it in Carson's hands. So I truly believe that we are in good hands. And speak, you know, you mentioned the pieces around Carson. Let's talk about some of those skill position players. Deshaun Jackson is back with the Eagles, and um, you know, some pieces lost. The uh, Golden Tate, who was you know acquired by a trade, we'll talk about him in just a little bit uh, since he came over to the Giants. But when you look at you know the returning pieces, you know the skill players, the running backs, tight ends, receivers. I mean, 
t- tell us a little bit about, you know, that group and, and how you expect that group to be maybe a little different, if not better, than the group they had last year. Yeah, the great thing about this, the receiving core, is that I'm going to continue to use the word of continuity. There's a lot of continuity there. You still have Alshon Jeffrey. You still have Zach Ertz, which were two of Carson's favorite weapons. You still have Nelson Aguilar, who had his best season when Carson was fully healthy. You now bring in Deshaun Jackson, who is a threat and who is an element that this offense has not seen since Deshaun Jackson. Because Torrey Smith, frankly, didn't get it done. And he did. He won a Super Bowl. I can't say that he didn't get it done. But he wasn't exactly what they were looking for. He didn't He didn't really crack the seal for them as much as they thought a field-stretching receiver could. And if you talk to anybody around the league, listen to any anybody around the league, I, I pound the table for Adam Kaplan and everything he does on the Go Birds podcast. Anybody that just loves football, loves insight, I highly suggest you go check it out. He says that... People around the league just highly covet Deshaun Jackson. They say he hasn't lost a step. And that's big-time talent evaluators, guys that are depending on their paycheck, depending on having a job to get a paycheck in the NFL every day, evaluating talent, saying that Deshaun still has it. And there's a reason they went out and traded assets for a guy of his age. Because Howie Roseman loves his draft picks. And for him to give up some draft picks, it's going to take a player that absolutely is going to blow the doors off. And I think the two guys he brought in via trade – Deshaun Jackson and Jordan Howard were two elements that this offense didn't have in 2018. I think 2017 was a great culmination of talent at the running back position. You had Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blount, Corey Clement. They all fit each other very well. They bounced well off of each other. They fit that committee role very well. You had a great receiving core. You had that field stretcher and Torrey Smith, and you had Elshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar, exactly what you needed. Now you are back to that same type of element. You return to this running back by committee style, which the Eagles have done for many, many years. They're going to continue to do it. It's one of Doug Peterson's biggest philosophies. Running back coach Deuce Staley, he he practices that philosophy as well. You now have a Miles Sanders who you brought in in the second round, something they haven't done in quite some time, bringing in a running back that early in a draft. You couple him with Jordan Howard. That's an almost thunder and lightning Tariq Cohen-Jordan Howard-esque duo. Not going to say that Miles Sanders is Tariq Cohen yet, but he has a a very similar skill set. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's very shifty. He's very agile. And now you have a Corey Clement who's going to he – he's playing with a chip on his shoulder now. And I said he's going to be the best RB3 in football, and I, I frankly believe that. I think he has a lot to prove. Coming off a disappointing 2018 season, I think he's going to be a great RB3, a great running back by committee type running back. And I now think you have all of these guys who are very good at a few different skill sets culminating into just one big running back. If you think like – how the Power Rangers were back in the day when they all put their rings together and created that one big Power Ranger. Like, I think that's how these Eagles running backs are going to operate. They're, they all bounce well off of each other. And then you move to the receiving core. I I, I just I want to know what defensive coordinators have in mind when this Eagles team is in the red zone and you have guys with height in Elshon Jeffrey – uh, you have Zach Ertz, you have Dallas Goddard, who is one of the most underrated tight ends in football right now. He had a great rookie season. I, I really think he's going to have a coming out party this year, coupled with Zach Ertz. And then you add a guy, my favorite player in the draft. I, I should post this video on Twitter once he gets his first touchdown, but J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. 
he was the one guy in the draft that I wanted this Philadelphia Eagles team to go out and get because he's a 6'2 receiver who Trevor Sycamore of the draft network compared to could potentially be a Marquise Colson-esque receiver. And that's something that I've wanted this Eagles team to do for plenty of years is to draft a guy that they think can grow with Carson and become that number one receiver. You look around just throughout history, look at some of the great receiving duos. You have Brett Favre and Antonio Freeman. Like These guys have grown from the young stages of their quarterback career with a wide receiver that they could rely on. And I really think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is a, a great wide receiver for, a great contributor. He's going to be great in the red zone. He has sneaky separation ability even though he doesn't have the craziest long speed in the world but he's a big guy and when you're in the red zone and you have all these weapons it's going to be a chess match down there and I really think they have they have more chips on the table to play and push all in when they're inside the 20s than most teams are going to be able to defend against but between the 20s is really where I want to see them flourish this year they kind of struggled with it but now you're adding Deshaun Jackson, who can really take the top off the field. I think that's going to open up the field for the guys who are great possession players like Zach Ertz, like Elshon Jeffrey, and hopefully Nelson Aguilar can come around again, and hopefully you can see these these role players really shine because the difference between 2017 and 2018 was 100% the depth. They didn't have the depth produce at the level in 2018 that they did in 2017 and you see why they won the Super Bowl in 17 and why they came up just short of making it to the NFC championship game in 18. You know you mentioned Arcega Whiteside that was the guy I was really hoping the Giants would I think that would have been a great pick for you guys yeah I I absolutely agree. Now it's interesting because um, one of the subtractions from the receiver group is is Golden Tate Mm -hmm. a guy you acquired in a trade last year I believe from Detroit Golden Tate now with the Giants and you know for, for you know Giant fans who are still trying to you know kind of figure out what what the team has in him what do you think went wrong with with Golden Tate you know he, for some reason he, the production just wasn't there is it because you know he came over in midstream or just wasn't a fit or, or what what do you think happened there I, I think it's a a little bit of both. I, I know Mike Grow, our offensive coordinator, was still really coming into his own in regards to designing plays around the middle of the season. So it was a tough adjustment for him and his, himself. And then to throw Golden Tate in there, another piece that you now have to work into this offense, I think it was a little bit of a hiccup. But he came up in big-time moments. I mean, he had one of the biggest plays in the playoffs for this Eagles team. And I, I know and... It's unfortunate that they didn't have a field stretching wide receiver to couple with Golden Tate because that's where he is best. He he makes his money between five and fifteen yards, and that's where he's going to do well. And you want to get him in space. And this Eagles team, frankly, couldn't get a ton of space because they didn't have a guy to take the top off the off the ball. They tried it with Nelson Aguilar, it didn't really work. And these teams started dropping these bo- these safeties down. They started playing big, heavier boxes. They pl- played less they played closer to the line of scrimmage which really limited them, especially a guy like Golden Tate who makes his money in that area. You want to see him get the ball in space. You want to see him use his excellent uh, yak ability, and they frankly weren't able to do that. You saw flashes of it. You saw him come up and make big plays. I think when Daniel Jones eventually gets in there, he's going to be his best friend because he's going to be in those intermediate areas, which those young quarterbacks tend to like to work out of. I think that's a very good pickup for the Giants. But in regards to the Eagles, I just don't think 
it was the right fit at the right time. If he was here now and you had Deshaun Jackson, Elshon Jeffrey, and Golden Tate, I think that's an excellent trio. But when you had Elshon, who isn't really, he doesn't get down the field and take the top off the ball. That's just not what he's known for. He makes his money elsewhere. Nelson Aguilar, the same thing. It was kind of tough, and I, I, I kind of think it was just a whole X's and O's standpoint as to why he didn't produce. And I know that's a basic answer, but I really think that's what it came down to. And let's talk a little bit about the um, the offensive line on, on the Eagles. That, mm-hmm. of course, being a, an important unit. I mean, where does that unit stand? I know they had a little I – think, I think last year they had a couple of injuries here and there and just mm-hmm. – you know, where does that unit stand right now? Yeah, so right now the big injury and the big question mark is Brandon Brooks, our, our all-pro our right guard. He's one of the most under-talked-about football players, and for good reason. It's because he doesn't get beat too often. He's allowed, I think, one or two sacks over the past three seasons combined, which is, for an offensive lineman, that's excellent. And I, I don't want to pour any salt in the wound, but as a Giants fan, I know you – uh you know the pain of not being able to have a solid offensive line and get, seeing those tackles be a little turnstiles. And Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson and Jason Peters, those three guys are they're just pure technicians at their position. And I love what they have going on there, but it's what can, can Jason Kelsey be healthy the whole season, which you really hope because he produces at an all-time level at that center position. Isaac Sayamalu, he kind of came into his own a little bit. He, he had an up-and-down first couple years of his career, but he's he's finally starting to figure it out. I think I, I know that left guard is the weak spot of that offensive line. But all in all, I, I fully expect them to be towards the top of the league this year. I, I talk about depth on this team, and... They went out there and they brought in a ton of depth. In the first round, they go out and draft Andre Dillard. They bring back a Stefan Wisniewski, who is a starter just last season. Now you have that ability, if a guy like Jason Peters goes down, if a guy like Jason Kelsey goes down, where you can plug in guys that have playing experience and can absolutely step in and continue to let this offense go and flourish because a couple years back they they did this weird thing where they rotated guards between Chance Warmack, Stefan Wisniewski, and Isaac Sayamalu and it really just didn't work and now they finally have solidarity at that position they have solidarity along the line you're just hoping that Brandon Brooks can come back healthy and if he comes back healthy, produce at the level where he left off. And same thing with Jason Peters. If he can stay healthy, there's nobody in the league I want protecting my blind side more than Jason Peters. But it's a big if. He hasn't finished a season in how many years. He's come out of X number of games the past couple of years. He's old, and that's just what it happens, especially at a position where you're in the trenches, you're banging bodies 24-7, your body breaks down. But all in all, I think they have arguably a top three Tackle combo in Peters and Lane Johnson. I think they have, in my opinion, the best right guard in football. One of the best centers in football. And left guard, they have a serviceable player in Isaac Sayamalu. But I think Carson Wentz, he should buy his his offensive line a very good Christmas present this upcoming Christmas because they need to keep him clean. Absolutely. We're, you're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trainan, special guest Gino Camilleri of Locked On Eagles. We are breaking down the Philadelphia Eagles who are on the Giants schedule. It is NFC East week here on the Locked On Giants podcast. We're going to take a short break, come back, and we're going to talk about the Eagles defense. So do stay with us. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? 
Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with Gino Camilleri, who is one of the co-hosts of Locked On Eagles and uh Gino's doing a great job breaking down the Eagles, really learning a lot about the changes and upgrades and downgrades and concerns. And uh, now let's turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball. Um, Gino, Fletcher, Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson. I mean, the, the, the mere mention of those two names, I, I got to think, has got to excite Eagle fans on, on that defensive front. Yeah, I can't imagine lining up on the other side of the football from those two individuals. It's it's just a scary thought. And the great thing about it is no matter what, when Fletcher Cox is on the field, you have the upper hand. And he is a top three defensive tackle. And now you bring in a guy like Malik Jackson, who is a Super Bowl champion. He dominates after getting after the football, struggles a bit in the run game, but that's how Jim Schwartz operates his defense. He operates with one mentality. The front four get pressure, and especially in the middle where quarterbacks, you you hear the great quarterbacks talk about it all the time, especially Tom Brady. He hates pressure up the middle, and if Tom Brady hates pressure up the middle, I can guarantee 31 other quarterbacks around the NFL hate pressure up the middle. So that's where they like to dominate the football, and the great thing about that is they have a ton of depth at that position. They have Fletcher Cox and Malik Jackson, but they love to rotate these guys. They love to keep them fresh so that they can stay fresh all throughout the game and into the fourth quarter and win those battles in late December and early January when it's won in the trenches. You have guys like Tim Jernigan, who was a Super Bowl champion, who was paired next to Fletcher Cox when they won the Super Bowl. He's now your third man in the rotation. There were some injury concerns. He missed a lot of last seasons with an undisclosed back injury. The team has been very secretive as to what it was. I'm assuming it's some sort of off-field injury that they don't want to get into, which that's not what I care about. I care about what you do on the football field. So Tim Jernigan, he can absolutely still get after the football. I'm surprised a team didn't shell out a a nice um, prove-it deal to him because the Eagles, this is a luxury pickup to have Tim Jernigan back on this team. They went out, traded a, a draft pick for Hassan Ridgeway from the Colts. He's a very young guy, but he can get after the football. Bruce Hector, they still have there. Trayvon Hester, all of these guys played rotational minutes for this Eagles team last year. And now they're going to be there again with a year under their belt. And they're going to be depth pieces that are going to get playing time. Because Jim Schwartz loves to rotate. He loves to rotate at the defensive tackle position. And he loves to rotate at defensive end, which is going to see a pretty big overhaul this season as opposed to last season. Because now you have Michael Bennett out of town. Now you have Chris Long out of town. You still have the great Brandon Graham, who is one of the best defensive ends in Eagles history. Consistent, solid producer all the way across the board. But the question mark is, who's going to be that number two? And we drafted Derek Barnett a couple years ago to be that guy, but he didn't finish last season. He he unfortunately went out with an injury, had season-ending surgery. Can he come back healthy? That's the big question mark. And then after that, who is your, your D3? 
You have Vinnie Curry. You brought him back from Tampa Bay. Another luxury pickup, I like to say, for this Eagles team. You go out, you draft Josh Sweat last year in the fourth round, and again in the fourth round you draft a guy like Sharif Miller. You have depth there. You have the rotational players. It's just who is going to step up and produce into those roles that were left by guys like Michael Bennett and Chris Long, which is going to be pretty insurmountable to match the production of a Michael Bennett and Chris Long combined because, frankly, they were all over quarterbacks last year. Michael Bennett rushing from inside and outside. There's no question why Bill Belichick wanted to go out and get a player of his caliber because he still has it and he still wreaks havoc across offensive lines. But now he's gone. And it's who's going to step up in his absence. And I, I, I'm, I believe I'm a firm believer in Derek Barnett. I, I hope he can come up and get to the quarterback because you're lacking a true pass rusher now. I mean, Chris Long, he played that I like to call it the Dwight Freeney role on third down. He had one goal to get to the quarterback. And I'm looking at this roster, and I just don't, I don't know if you're going to consistently have that guy that's going to get there. I want somebody to prove it to me, but that's the one big question mark outside of cornerback that I have on this defensive side of the football. Since you mentioned cornerback, let's jump back to that defensive secondary and let's talk about, you know, the questions at cornerback. Yeah, absolutely. So this, you could, you could pick up a box, throw a bunch of dice in there and roll it. And that's basically what this quarterback or the cornerback position is going to be because I don't see anybody on this team who is a confirmed starter. They In OTAs, they were throwing Sidney Jones in the slot. They threw Sidney Jones outside when Avante Maddox came into the slot. They had Rasul Douglas lined up outside. They had Ronald Darby lined up outside. They moved Ronald Darby inside. This is any man's guess is any man or woman's guess is as good as mine at what they're going to do at the cornerback position. But the great thing about it that they have here for once is the depth. They have guys like Rasul Douglas and Sidney Jones, which they drafted, to be the guys, to be the cornerback heir apparents to guys like Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby. And the, and the good thing about it is all of them have playing experience under their belt now. And I love that they're going to allow it to be a competition because this, this team, they're not going to be able to pay everybody like they once did. They have to have guys come up and prove it. They have to have guys that step in, that become your Julian Edelmans, your Malcolm Butlers, guys that step up in the big moments. And I, I think now this cornerback unit has the ability to put the best men out there. You have six cornerbacks that can legitimately and hopefully make this roster, but six cornerbacks that any six of them, I believe, can start. I believe you have five guys that could play inside and outside. I think Craven LeBlanc is really the only one that is limited to a pure slot corner, but the rest of them, Avante Maddox, had a great rookie season. He ended up covering Michael Thomas in the playoffs as a rookie last year. Did a serviceable job, but on the other side of the football, there was a reason they weren't they were torching Avante Maddox is because Rasul Douglas frankly wasn't getting thrown at the last four weeks in the season. If you see the routes that wide receivers ran against Rasul and where quarterbacks targeted the football when Rasul was on the field, they stayed away from his side, which is a great thing. My co-host Lou, shout out hashtag Free Sewell. We've been trying to get him out of Doug of Jim Schwartz's doghouse for a while and I think we're finally going to be going to be able to see it but then we're not even talking about the two guys that were your starters in the Super Bowl two years ago in Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby both of which are coming off injury concerns but I think that was almost a blessing in disguise because it's not them just being handed those starter roles back they have to go out there and prove it 
And the best place to raise the skill level of your team is in training camp and is in competition. And I want to see that be a 100% competition and the best three guys come out there week one and are starting. And I fully believe that they have the ability to do so and they have the luxury to do so. And it's not a bad thing to have a competition at a position as a as much needed as cornerback because we have not had the play which we have need needed to be a consistent team, especially if your front four isn't getting to the football. And it looks like, you know, it, based on the what, what you're describing to me, it looks like your safety situation is a little bit more stable. Am I right? Yeah, uh, th- I think that's the one where you look and it's like, okay, now you have your two core safeties. What are you going to build around them? You have Malcolm Jenkins, who is – in his own right, deserves to get paid as one of the top five safeties in football. I think he should absolutely get paid around what Landon Collins got paid last year from Washington. It's unfortunate to see him stick in the division. I'm sure that leaves a sour taste in your mouth as well. But Malcolm Jenkins has produced time and time again and needs to be the next contract extension, Howie Roseman hands out. But you have him, you have Rodney McLeod, You have guys that are going to compete for that third safety position, which is another big question mark on this defense because Jim Schwartz loves to roll out these big nickel, big dime packages where he runs three safeties. You go out there, you bring in a culmination of guys who I don't expect to play big minutes like Blake Countess, who's more of a return specialist, DeAndre Hall. I think it's that safety three position right now is between a combination of Trey Sullivan He's two years into his career. He's kind of had an up-and-down career. Andrew Sandejo, who played big minutes for Minnesota, did pretty well for Minnesota, a guy who I think is what you want in a safety three. But one thing with him is that if they cut him, they can get a fourth-round comp pick. So what is more valuable, a fourth-round comp pick or a third safety? I don't know how Howie Roseman is going to value that when uh, cuts come around. And then Trey Elston, another guy who's been around the league. Um, He's a guy that can compete for that safety three position, but I would have loved to see them go out and get a young safety in this draft that was pounding the table for guys like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Darnell Savage, Nasir Adderley, any safety picked in the first three rounds I would have loved to see in Midnight Green, but you have to hope that those two guys don't get hurt because Rodney McLeod went down last year and it completely threw your secondary plans into shambles, and that cannot happen again because things were not great after Rodney went down. And let's finally talk about the linebackers because, you know, I know definitely when the Giants come to town, a lot of focus is probably going to be on Evan Ingram, the tight end, at, you know, the, who they're going to probably send mm-hmm. up the seam against those linebackers. How are the, the Eagles linebackers unit uh, shaping up? I know they, they re-signed uh, Bradham. Uh, Zach Brown is is is, is uh, on mm-hmm. board. Um, Grungier Hill. I believe that's how you say it. So, yeah, I mean, Kamu how's Kruger that Hill. together? The flying yeah. Hawaiian, we call him. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Yep. He, uh, I, I like that position. The great thing about linebacker for this Philadelphia Eagles team is that, once again, they have depth. And two, they don't play base that much. They play base around 25% of the time. So you're only going to see three linebackers out there about one quarter of the snaps. So I love what they have in Nigel Bradham. He is he – is, He's the play caller on this Eagles defense. He's the guy that's going to cover Evan Ingram. He's been very good in coverage his past couple seasons. The departure of Jordan Hicks is absolutely going to hurt, but who better to replace him with than one of the great tacklers at the linebacker position in Zach Brown? It's not a pick that has been talked about much in Eagles camp, and 
frankly, I think it should be talked about a lot more because this Eagles team struggled to make t- uh, tackles in the open field last year. And now you have the ability to have a guy like Zach Brown who averages over 100 tackles per season. It's just it's like clockwork. The guy just makes a tackle. And anytime you turn on film, the guy is around the football. And what better way to assure that you can send your front four without having to worry about big holes in the back and allow your corners to play that press coverage and knowing that open field tackles are going to be made than bringing in a guy like Zach Brown. I think that's a very good pick. I think the combination of guy uh, rotational players they have around them in LJ Fort, Port, Paul Warlow, Nathan Gary, all young or besides uh, Paul Warlow are all young guys who have played um, some decent snaps in the NFL. I know LJ Fort was starting to get some snaps for Pittsburgh last year, did pretty well late in the season. He's been coined as a special teamer, but my friend over at Bleeding Green Nation, Michael Kist, called this one from a mile away. He said this would be a great addition to the linebacking core for the Eagles. I truly believe him. Nathan Geary, he's another young guy. He switched over from safety at Nebraska to linebacker, a guy they feel like he can grow into his own. He's putting on a little bit of muscle mass this offseason. So once again, I think the takeaway from all this is they have depth at many, many positions, which a lot of teams around the NFL do not have, and that's what makes or breaks you coming in to those December games, those NFC East games where it's just a mauling in the trenches and those two teams hate each other, and you need depth all the way around because, frankly, the 53 you start the season with isn't going to be the 53 you've ended the season with. I don't know if that's ever happened, and injuries a big, big part to play with that, and hopefully the injury bugs, fingers crossed, does not bite the Eagles as much as it has the last two seasons. And then finally, Gino, what are the top three things that you feel the Eagles still need to do to make sure that this roster is ready for the 16-game season coming up? Wow, that is one of the better questions I've been posed this offseason. I will say, one, solidify your playbook. I, I think the playbook is going to be the make or break it. You can have all these pieces, but if you don't know where to put them, that's huge. And... One thing that has been talked about in many different circles is can the Eagles utilize 12 personnel with Zach Ertz and with Dallas Goddard and dominate the middle of the field? And Doug Peterson made it known that they're going to go out and construct more 12 personnel plays, make it more of a focal point of the offense, base this offense more around where Carson feels comfortable. And that's exactly what you want to hear out of your coach. You don't want to hear your coach be stuck in his ways, play calling. You want him to accept his faults, accept where he needs to grow. And that just shows you a true leader. And I truly think that if Doug Peterson wants to take responsibility for this team, he gets that playbook fully in order. So we're not having these questions eight weeks into the season. Should our offensive coordinator be fired? Because that was happening middle of the season last year because that Eagles team was on quite the roller coaster of emotions after the Super Bowl. Number two, I would say try to bring in one more body into the pass rushing formula. I think it, it doesn't have to be day one. But I, I think you've seen it around the NFL, these specialty pass rushers. I, I always will point to Dwight Freeney. It's the easiest one to make. Go out and get a guy that his sole contribution is to get to the quarterback and has done it so consistently in his career. You need to replace that Chris Long position. And guys of that caliber and that have that big of a track record, 
they're out there. You just need to find the right one that is going to come in and fit at the right time in the season because he's not going to come in and play all those snaps that Chris Long played. But if you can get him onto the field like Atlanta did with Bruce Irvin down the stretch last year and just get him to get to the quarterback, I think, frankly, that's going to be another element that will just put this team over the top. And number three, put the right corners on the field. I don't care who they are. Just make sure the best three are out there. Jim Schwartz has this special little place in his heart for Jalen Mills. As much as he gets beat on double moves, as much as he wags his fingers on overthrows, he's not the greatest cornerback in the world. And Jim Schwartz needs to accept that. And they need to give guys like Rasul Douglas a chance. They need to give guys like Avante Maddox a chance. And all the rest of the guys at that corner position a chance to compete. And competition is going to breed a championship if they do it the right way. And you have to be confident about this Eagles team, and I cannot wait for kickoff because I'm truly excited to see what this Eagles team can do. I certainly hear that in your voice. I mean, excellent excellent breakdown. Gino, tell all the Giant fans what you got coming up, where they can find your work, and and, uh, what what your plans are for the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll I'll just get the personal stuff out of the way. I'm going on a vacation Saturday, so I'll be a little out of the Lockdown Podcast Network for the next week or so. But you can always catch me on Twitter at Gino underscore LOE, our main Twitter account at Lockdown Birds. Always find my co-host. He's cooking up stuff around the the clock at DiBiase, LOE, Lou DiBiase, shout out. Um, we always have stuff going on. We're putting out written content all the time. We're putting out shows, you guys know, four to five times a week. We're just coming out with some new merch on Public. We're getting a couple sales. It's Deshaun Jackson 2.0, and I know you Giants fans won't love it, but is the image of him holding up the football uh, on the punt return in the Miracle at the Meadowlands 2.0. We've gotten some great sales on that so far, but... We're just trying to make Eagles fans be informed, stay on top of the football, and know what they're talking about. Because, Patricia, you know it as well as I do. This is basically a full-time job to know what's going on. If you want to be on top of it 24-7, you got to be on Twitter. you got to be reading the articles. you got to be reading the team site. It, it is a full-time job, and I know people don't have that ability to invest as much as we do into this, but that's what we're here for. We're a great resource for you guys, and not just – Locked on Giants for you guys. Listen to the other shows. It's a great place to see injury news, what other hosts are thinking about their team, the outlook on their team. There's no better identifier than yourself, and I, I think it's a great place to go to these other sites, these these Locked on Bills, Locked on wherever you are, whatever opponents you're playing. Go check them out. I know we do these crossover pods, and we do them for a good reason because this is the greatest podcast network on planet Earth, in my opinion. And I agree with you. And I, and I, matter of fact, I just said on Twitter last week how impressed I was with all the hosts that I had on the shows, uh, you know, breaking down their respective mm-hmm. teams. Really a lot of great detail. And I'm just absolutely blown away because this is the type of detail I try to give to my listeners. And to hear you guys bring that kind of passion and detail it's just like yeah let's line up and play now (laughs) oh yeah absolutely even if i'm talking to my nfc east i would talk to you i talk to mosher all the time of the cowboys even as much as i despise the cowboys it's great to talk football and i will never complain talking football and i'll leave you with that and i'll leave you with a good old fly eagles fly sorry to do that to you I think the the giant fans are actually going to say die Eagles die. But that's <laughs> oh. all right. Well, we'll get into that when we, when the two teams meet in the season. Gino, thank you so much for coming on. 
Giant fans, thank you so much for listening. This is Patricia Traina. Thank you for tuning in to NFC East Week. Next week, we'll be back with more previews of the Giants 2019 opponents. Until then, have a fantastic weekend, and we will talk soon. Okay, Gino, I'm still recording, so if you want to get in a few questions about the Giants, we'll just add it to the end, and you'll just have to do the editing. Okay. So whenever you're ready. All right. All right, Eagles fans, welcome to the bonus segment of Lockdown Giants, which is now Lockdown Eagles because we're doing a little crossover here. And Patricia Trena is joining me from Lockdown Giants. You guys have heard her before on our crossover pods. You've heard her intro herself on this episode. So without any further ado, I want to get into it. Patricia, you posed a very good question to me. What are three things the Eagles had to do to get ready for this season? I'm going to pose the same question back to you because I think that is an excellent Excellent question, and it really makes it stretch the opinions of what Giants fans are thinking. And I think you have a very good insight, and I would love to hear what you have to say. I was afraid you were going to ask that. <laughs> it's a good question. I might ask it, well, I yeah, have. thank you. Um, I think number one, the Giants have got to get the defense settled. They have a lot of new faces, a lot of youth on that defense. Um, they they completely revamped. You know, the defensive secondary, the defensive front has a lot of young guys, and they just basically need to pull all that together and get them playing cohesively. Now, the good news for Giant fans is that based on what we saw in the spring, and granted, it is no contact, no pads, or and half speed, but based on what we saw in the spring, the unit looked actually like it was coming together a lot quicker than you would expect. There weren't a lot of busted coverages in the secondary. You know, the, the defensive front seven, they were getting their hands up. They were, you know, knifing inside, getting into the backfield. So it's encouraging. But of course, we want to see what happens once, um, you know, the pads go on and the, and the intensity picks up. I think number two is how they're going to compensate for the loss of Odell Beckham Jr. Now, you don't replace an Odell Beckham Jr. given the guy's talents. He's mm -hmm. just, he's a one-of-a-kind talent. But what you can try to do, and what I think they will do, is they will try to absorb that production. If it means, you know, giving Sterling Shepard, for example, another, I don't know, 20 targets during the year or or doubling Evan Ingram's targets or, or you know whatever the case may be I think you know they're going to have to find a way to to absorb that because you know say what you want about um Odell as a as a player as a person as a distraction whatever you want to call him the guy was productive and that you know productive receivers like that just don't grow on trees I think number three is the offensive line now, last year, the Giants made over their offensive line, and the big question that we entered the season with was, was it better or was it different? And we found out very quickly that it was just different. It wasn't necessarily better. So this year, Dave Gettleman went and redid the right side of the line. Um, he added uh, Kevin Zeitler, who was acquired in the trade with Cleveland for mm -hmm. Olivier Vernon. He signed Mike Remmers, who was with Pat Shermer a couple years ago when the two were in Minnesota. So they have to, you know, bring those two guys along. They haven't had a chance to play next to each other because Remmers has been recovering from offseason back surgery. And then on the other side, you know, Nate Solder, he's been recovering from ankle surgery. You know, is he going to be better? Is, you know, how much better is Will Hernandez going to 
to be? And who's going to be that center? Is it going to be John Halapio, who's coming off of an ankle injury? Or is it going to be Spencer Pulley? So that unit needs to get work, you know, it needs to get reps and it needs to solidify and come together and show that it is better and not different than it was last year. I think those are all great points, Patricia. And I'll just leave you with two simple questions, but they might make you think a little bit. Who do you think leads this team in touchdown receptions? And who do you think leads this team in sacks? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, Touchdown receptions. I'm going to go with Evan Ingram. I I was going to go there too. Yeah. I I, I am very worried about him in the NFC East. You know what? If Evan Ingram stays healthy and that that's going to be the number one concern if you're a giant fan, because Evan Ingram has had some injury issues, even this spring, he missed some time with a hamstring. And, you know, as you know, hamstrings can be very, very tricky. Mm -hmm. The giants were optimistic that he'll be okay for camp. But again, hamstrings can be funny. If they are not fully healed, you can aggravate them. Just when you think, you know, you've got them on the run, they can pop up again. But Evan Ingram has shown without Odell Beckham Jr. in the lineup, He's been tremendous. He's, he, his production just soars. And, he, you know, and, and that's because a lot of what he does is what you would, would expect from um, a wide receiver. And, um, you know, I, I just think that he's going to be a, a primary target of Eli Manning's. And you're going to see him, you know, in the red zone. You're going to see him move around, line up in the slot, maybe come out of the backfield a few times. So, yeah, I, I see him potentially being the touchdown leader. You know, no disrespect to the other guys they have, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Saquon Barkley. But I, I just think Ingram is going to going to be the go-to guy there. As far as who's going to lead in sacks, that one's a tough one. And I And the reason why I say that's a tough one is because... I don't, you know, a lot of people are making, you know, a big deal over the fact that the Giants don't really have an established pass rusher on the mm-hmm. team. You know, Marcus Golden is established, but, you know, he's coming off the, the injury and, you know, he'll be two years removed from it. But, you know, when you talk about established, you know, they don't have an Olivier Vernon. So what I think is going to happen is you're going to see that pass rush come from a variety of places. The Giants added um, Dexter Lawrence to the interior defensive line and the idea there is they want him and they want bj hill and dalvin Tomlinson to all push that interior of the line so that the edge guys have an opportunity to make some plays with the pass rush now Mm -hmm. you also combine the fact that they upgraded the defensive secondary because how many times last year i mean you can count on your fingers, your toes, and your na- you know, probably four of your neighbor's fingers and toes, the number of times the Giants' pass rush almost got home. But because the defensive secondary couldn't hold their coverage, you know, they just barely missed a sack. So I think that's going to be uh, important. If I had to pick a guy who I think is going to lead, um, I'm going to go with Lorenzo Carter. I really like what I saw from Lorenzo Carter this spring. I thought, you know, he was playing with a plan. And it's interesting because I asked defensive coordinator James Betcher about him after, you know, writing down Carter's number several times in my notes. Mm -hmm. And Betcher's eyes lit up. He says, I'm so, you know, basically, I'm glad you asked about him. You know, he's playing with a plan. He's rushing with a plan. He's not just out there, you know, off and running and just try to make whatever happens, happens. And I think, you know, Carter can be, you know, a a leader in sacks. And then closer in the defensive interior, 
I'm going to be looking for B.J. Hill to build upon what he did last year because he was, you know, for a big guy, he was surprisingly mobile. And, and he was another guy who, you know, even though, again, no pads, not no contact and not at 100% speed, this is a guy you could just see was moving around more confidently. And I think he's going to have a big season uh, up ahead. Yeah, absolutely. It'll definitely be interesting. Definitely some names that I'm going to have to learn. I, I, Lorenzo Carter, he's going to be hopefully a home, a homegrown name for you guys. Hopefully somebody that can get onto the stat sheet because like you said, Patricia, it was, it was like they were almost there. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Cause you can look at those two Eagles games. They were right there a lot of the time, especially in these NFC East games where game plans open up. The, the field opens up a lot more. They, they play in the trenches. They, they get things moving and you hope those big bodies can really get, get in there and push the ball around. But before we get into the playing games, before we actually kick off the NFL, there's a lot of time before we get there. There's a lot of news that's going to come out. So let us Eagles fans know. I don't know how much they're going to go check you out, Patricia, which they should because she has some of the best insight into the NFC East. Let them know where they can find you, what's going on in the Giants world, anything to look forward to coming up, and just overall your expectations of this Giants team coming up. If you, if you expect them to be good, bad, or it's going to be ugly. Well, I'm hoping they're going to be a lot better. I hope so for the sake of my Twitter feed because I, yeah, I dealt right? with a lot of upset Giant fans last year. Um, but as far as um, where you can find some of my work, I would point you over to the Maven. I, I work. Uh, I have uh, the Maven dot io at slash ny giants and right now if you really want to get some insight into who's on the giants and what their chances are and you know how they might fit i'm doing two players a day on the 90 man roster kind of doing like an overview complete with a little video presentation a short video presentation so if you want to start scouting the enemy eagles fans that's <laughs> a, a pretty good uh series that you might want to check out um my analytical work, you know, as far as salary cap, as far as some statistical stuff that I do over at Forbes, I'm doing some uh, profiles and some other work for SB Nation, uh, the real nitty gritty analysis stuff I do for Inside Football, which is my publication. And I imagine in the, you know, in the summertime, I'll be starting up again for a couple of other papers. But you know, th those are more local stuff. And obviously, there's the Locked on Giants podcast. So anytime Eagles fans, you're welcome to come over. Um, I don't bite. And then hopefully, you know, if you want to ask a question, you're more than welcome to drop by. Absolutely. And you guys should definitely go check out Patricia's work. Go check out the rest of the Lockdown Podcast Network because we are the greatest podcast network on planet Earth. And that will lead us into the end of the show. So thank you very much, Giants fans, for letting me on your show. Hopefully I don't get too many hate comments on Twitter. I, I tried to be as have as little bias as possible look at this from an unbiased perspective and i think we had a very good rapport going on in this conversation patricia hopefully we can have more of these conversations in the off season and as the season gets carried on but you guys know where to find me at gino underscore e find lou at gino or at dbiasi loe find our twitter account at lockdown birds and as always fly eagles fly <laughs> thanks Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.